Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast, episode number 221, going live for our patrons. Today, we're recording October 17th, 2022, everyone else October 19th. Steve is AFK this week, uh, but I am pleased to be joined by Victor, aka at Bluepin Studios, uh, active member of our Discord, someone who listens to this podcast, which is always very flattering. Thank you, Victor. And more importantly, game dev extraordinaire developer on the upcoming project explory story we've covered extensively on this program thank you for joining me victor thank you very much how's your monday going oh honored yeah (laughs) good monday so far uh the weather is pretty bad uh uh, yeah yeah Mm. raining it's been raining a lot but uh (laughs) yeah other than that it's all good Excellent. We're getting you fresh off a of work day, so I appreciate you taking time out of your time off to do this program. Uh, yeah, no you know problem. the rigmarole. We'll start with some paperwork. Uh, Sad Panda Studios is looking for a Unity C Sharp programmer on their their very sexy upcoming project. Uh, they're a Kelowna-based game studio, which I didn't realize had so many game studios. They had a Hyper Hippo who just hit like ten years. So Kelowna coming out of nowhere, being a little sassy game dev hub. Um, but Sad Panda is hiring programmers to work on some some very provocative anime visual novels. Um, and we got some events coming up. Now, I always am, and you know, we are hesitant to cover Ubisoft on this program after they, they did their best at trying to establish the, you could say, Catholic Church of Games industry, but uh, Ubisoft Toronto Next is opening submissions for like a bunch, a, a whole wackadoodle of different internships. This page is is intense. 3D art, animation, concept art, game design, level design, programming. Uh, and these are all, more importantly, Victor, paid internships. I don't know how you feel about wow. that. <laughs> well, I think they don't have a choice, right? I mean, I think in Canada, you can't have unpaid internships, can you? Is that the is that true? Is it just a meme at this point that people are perpetuating the unpaid intern? Um, I don't know. I think you can't. Huh. I hope so. Um, but Ubisoft would like to pay you, dear listener, potentially, to, to do any number of things for them. Um, so yeah, you can check that out in the show notes. Indie Cup Canada, we've been plugging a bunch. That uh, exhibit showcasing all the games nominated goes up this Thursday, October 20th. And Nominees I actually have a, a bit of insight on that. I have Ooh. applied to that Indie Cup Canada, so maybe and? you'll see Explorer Story there. I don't actually know yet. Scoop, um, I hope so. Oh, yeah. wait, is this a conflict of interest now? Because Steve and I are uh, <laughs> uh, judges. Uh-oh, we didn't consider well, this. We'll, I've we'll run it past with other judges as legal. well. Okay, good. Yeah. Just chatting. I mean, what is it? Yeah, as long as you can chat with every judge, it's balanced. So, <laughs> as yeah. There's a, a lot of judges design. on there, I saw. There is. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for your Explorer story set then. Um, and, yeah, the winners will be announced November 17th. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to that website of all those games. That's going to be exciting. Um, if you're from Quebec, Demo Nights and the Games from Quebec Steam Sale is happening next year, and they're taking submissions in a very tight window, unfortunately. Um, you will have from February 2nd to 4th to submit to Demo Nights, which is just a, a Steam event focused on uh, demos for upcoming Quebec games. And then from February 2nd to 6th, obviously 2023, you can submit for the Steam Quebec Sale. 
but yeah, that's a really tight window. They must get a lot of submissions to be able to keep it that tight. You're not eligible for this, though, Victor. I don't know. Is anyone no. on the team from Quebec? Can you sneak it in there? Uh, well, we have a writer. Um, okay. The person doing all the writing for Explorer Story is an indie author for, that lives in Montreal, I believe. Although she's been moving around, so I'm not sure. But uh, no, I doubt we qualify. We can't because we mm. were in the Ontario Games from Ontario sale. <laughs> Hey, you can be a, a from multiple uh, provinces. <laughs> I, 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 if I've learned anything from covering Kenny games, there's a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, you know? Mm. Well, we'll give it a try. I mean, it doesn't cost anything to apply, so we'll try it out. Just, just hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, our friends at the Vancouver Video Game Dev Meetup are having another meetup, October 27th, 7 p.m., of course, Pacific time, which when I it like converted the time for me, and it was like uh, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. my time, so might not be dipping into this one. I'm also <laughs> not from Vancouver, but uh, from 7 to 9 Pacific, Thursday, October 27th, they're going to be in their Discord meetup voice chat, hanging out, chatting about games. So yeah, check all those out on the site and we'll insert that paper shuffle sound effect here what do you think of the sound effects do you like the wish list the paper are they annoying i'm genuinely um, looking for feedback the paper shuffling sound effect doesn't quite sound like you're shuffling papers it sounds more like you're like you're making the papers organized you know mm. it's the sound where you're like, stacking papers kind of yeah i get what you mean because we were going for like the news desk shuffle but you're right it feels more like we're working at Staples, and we're just picking up a stack. And it feels like it. you have a bunch of cardstock, and you're trying to make mm. it all uniform. Interesting. Okay, maybe I'll have dropped a different sound effect in this week. Uh, stay tuned. All right, I got a couple news stories to go over with you. Uh, Quill Studios, local Toronto development studio to you, uh, have announced a spin-off studio called Quill Yuri, which will focus on Yuri games, something I hadn't heard about before, Y-U-R-I games, um, which a quick Google definition. Uh, I think it's like a Japanese genre of like women helping other women in games because they say their first project will be a WLW, which I know from my time on Tumblr is women loving women uh, game. The whole studio they've said in our Discord will focus on LGBT plus games. Uh, and so they're starting that spinoff studio with this upcoming game, Death Becomes You. A sapphic WLW. Yeah, this is a lot of Tumblr talk, and I know that that is a huge community of gamers, so hopefully they do well with this next project. But that's something I've noticed a couple of game studios doing is uh, spinning off like other little divisions to like more focus, like co-op modes spun off co-op minis, which is like a little publishing arm they have. Superhot spun off Superhot Presents, which is like focusing on a specific thing. So I wonder if it's like from the financial side or like to make the business make more sense. Do you have any insight on that, Victor? I don't know. Well, I assume they're all operated by the same like corporate entity. So I think it's <laughs> more more so for like um, the public facing stuff. Because like mm, if you like have a company called like up. Blue Pin Games, for example, and you want to make a movie, it's like well maybe you should like have a separate arm for movies. Mm. 
That makes like Annapurna Interactive is a spinoff yeah. of Annapurna Pictures. I, I yeah, doubt it yeah. has anything to do with money though, because they're probably still owned by the same corporation. Maybe mm. not. I don't know. They're in a Discord. I should ask them. <laughs> we yeah. have a first. What's it called? Primary source on that one. All right. Uh, next news story was probably the biggest news story in terms of uh, I don't know North American Twitter, which is like the barometer we're all attached to, I guess. Uh, but the Bayonetta three. Uh, which comes out this month. Um, the voice actor who originally played Bayonetta in one and two revealed that she was offered four thousand dollars to come back, which is incredibly low. People were quick to point out that the standard in the film industry, like a lot of celebrities, will get like anywhere from fifty to one hundred twenty thousand for a voiceover, just for like an episode of TV, and like they're trying to get to that standard for voice actors not in the film industry. Uh, and the, the quick conspiracy theory that developed was they lowballed her on purpose to let, so that she would turn it down and they could go to someone else that they wanted to work with, uh, which ended up being, uh, voice actress, Jennifer Hale, which is how it gets the Canadian angle because uh, she is a Canadian who's worked on, uh, Edmonton based Bioware's Mass Effect series as Femme Shep. Um, and she has been cast as Bayonetta. Uh, and this has created a whole, I don't know, I, I haven't really dug too deep into the conspiracy side of it. it. It's definitely like a shitty situation all around. And the the thing people are quick to point out is Jennifer Hale has been a huge proponent of like voice actor rights and uh, like worked with the Canadian voice acting vo- uh, workers to get them unionized and get better representation. And then to accept this after, after it's revealed that the studio was trying to like undercut a voice actor, that's where the... The, the contradiction comes in. What do you think? Hmm. Somehow this has invo- avoided, like, I, I've managed to avoid this entire discussion topic. There's been a lot of stuff going nice. on uh, regarding, like, Twitch and other stuff in the gaming sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, so I have no idea about any of this stuff. I didn't even know the... I haven't heard any of the names mentioned in this article at all. Like, it's... <laughs> I don't know how I so managed a lot of to this- uh, sneak by. A lot of this was uh, broke first by Game Informer, who did a big feature on it in an interview with the game director Yasuki Miyata. Uh, he said, quote, I understand the concerns some fans have about the voice change at this point in the series, but Jennifer's performance was beyond what we could have imagined. I'm confident her portrayal will exceed fan, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so they're, they're just doing the, oh, it was like we had auditions and um, we picked Jennifer, but this is being contested by the previous Bayonetta voice actor who's like, no, they came to me and said, oh, well, you could, totally, we want you back, but we're only going to pay you this as like a means to like get her out of the picture. So that seems to be where the mm-hmm. truth's being hashed out now. Yeah, I read something about that they were just trying to pay $4,000 total for all the work. Mm-hmm, for the whole game, for all of yeah. Bayonetta 3. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I don't this, know. Of course, do you know, uh, I don't know how much you spend on Twitter, hopefully less time than me, but... Um, Hideki Kamiya, who's like a popular Japanese game developer on Twitter, uh, has like gotten himself involved in this whole dilemma to the point where he just deleted his own account and sort of just walked away from Twitter, despite mm-hmm. being like probably one of the biggest Japanese voices on Twitter. He has 160,000 followers, mm-hmm. or had 160,000 followers. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a whole mess, and I often think the Twitter drama is blown out of proportion. But it's still a, I don't know, it, it feels icky for a, a prominent voice of Canadian voice actor rights to step in to what seems to be a betrayal of a voice actor. 
but uh, we'll, we'll keep following the story. Hmm. Lastly today, uh, Took Games, based in Quebec, has rebranded to uh, Invoke Studios. So they were acquired by Wizards of the Coast as Took Games, a very Canadian name. Uh, they released Drag, or no, Dungeons and Dragons The Dark Alliance uh, a couple years ago. Game Pass game. Pretty uh, C's to be low B's. Uh, reviewed middling, uh, but they were uh, then acquired and are now renamed Invoke Studios, which is much less of a Canadian name and a much more Dungeons & Dragons name. Uh, And they are going to be making more Dungeons & Dragons games um, unnamed at the moment, but that's good news. And I think a lot of people were worried after Dark Alliance's sort of middling success or middling performance, that might be the end of two games, but they're they're coming back under a new name with more Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and I see this with a lot of studios. Like the first game is often the tough one where you're figuring out a lot of stuff as a team and your tech, and the second game is usually a more refined. Like this is what we were going for. We just needed more time. Would that be fair to say? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of well, I don't know about studios, but I know a lot of like smaller devs like me don't even make it to a second game because the realities mm. of development kind of kick in, and it's like well. We can't do this all over again, you know, like sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the outcome is not what people hope for. And uh, with studios, it's probably even more complicated, right? Because there's funding and there's sometimes investors and money tied up and you can't, you literally cannot do it again. So it's cool to see studios being able to make games after game after game, even if they're mm-hmm. not successful per se. But I think two that's games, the uh, their Dungeons and Dragons thing did pretty well, like financially. Dark Alliance? I think I so. guess I didn't get a number on sales. But that, that was my worry. Every time a studio is acquired, I'm like, oh, if your next game doesn't hit that 500% return on investment, uh, are you going to get shut down like all those yeah. EA and uh, Activision acquired studios? Yeah, I don't know. They have different they have different thresholds to meet. But, you know, based mm-hmm. on what I'm seeing on their Steam page, uh, they, they netted at least $2 million, maybe $1.5 million, So... Definitely okay, a good okay. result for someone like me, but maybe for them that's not good enough. I don't know. Well, hopefully uh, Dungeons & Dragons game number two from Invoke Studios. Uh, Interestingly enough, there's a, there's another, there's someone else using Invoke Games on Steam, uh, a hmm. developer from Russia. <laughs> oh, so, I assume Dungeons & Dragons would win that copyright dispute. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, if it's winnable at all, I, I don't know. It's a uh, different uh, market, different uh, region. I mm. guess I guess they could just tell Steam to take it down or something. I don't know. But Invoke Games well, guess, from Russia was here first, so that's true. Uh, possessions ninety percent, nine tenths of the law, or whatever. All right, we'll keep our eyes on Invoke Studios and come back and wishlist some games after another song. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, but you need a plan B. know the segment victor it's wish list this i got three upcoming canadian made games 
one you might uh, be overly familiar with, and I would like to add them to our wish list to, to help these fellow devs against the almighty, insurmountable tide of Steam algorithm i picture like doing this like moses parting the red sea and the, the <laughs> two sides are just twenty thousand games that release on steam every year and we're just yeah. opening the water to the, the couple canadian ones in the middle yeah that's a lot i think it's uh twenty three thousand now or twenty two thousand so it's going up by Oof. like 10 percent a year give or take that's absurd i remember writing a story in 2020 no 2019 i wrote a story that they were doing 17 and a half thousand games a year and that year more games released on steam than in all the previous years combined which really felt like a turning moment i'm like oh this is just exponentially gonna yeah. take off well huh? once they went steam direct like once you could just pay 100 bucks and be on steam then obviously mm -hmm. the floodgates opened but luckily for me, opened. I've been a beneficiary of those floodgates being open. I don't think I could have passed the green light process. So, mm, That's good. That's good. And hopefully we get you some wish lists here. To, I mean, spoilers for game number three. But let's start with Flying Neko Delivery by Fractal Phase in Toronto. Uh, their most recent game, uh, Steve and I quite liked, was uh, uh, one of those classic arcade uh, flying games, Sky Rogue. Sky Rogue's pretty fun, 2017 game. But... Their next project is very different. Also a flying game, though. You know, you got to use all the, the parts of the, 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 all the tools you make. You can reuse. And in this one, you are a cat delivering uh, stuff on a, a broom, like a witch cat. <clears throat> I'm going to do the movie theater voice. Take on the role of Onigiri, a feline witch who lives in a cottage and delivers packages flying on a broomstick. Customize your cottage and explore new worlds, forage plants and fungi. Meet the quirky villagers along the way while enjoying music by Mark Sparling, the composer for A Short Hike. Oh, I didn't know that. I like the A Short Hike soundtrack. Uh, this is probably the tightest to launch wish list we've done. It's, it's launching Thursday, so everyone listening on Wednesday, add it to your wish list, or if you're listening <laughs> later in the week, it's out. <laughs> but, uh, Victor, what do you think of the Steam page for Flying Neko Delivery? I like it. I like the key mm. art, the logo and stuff. They got GIFs. There's text mm -hmm. and GIFs. It's good. It give me, it's giving me, um, what was that Ghibli film with the broomstick? Kiki's Delivery Service? I think they're going for that a little bit. The cat so. on the broomstick, <laughs> little little black cat on the broomstick. Yeah, I like. Uh, looks dope. It looks so sort of really relaxing that you, you just can fly around like an open world. I a mm -hmm. lot of games, um, like a lot of the bigger games, like you know Grand Theft Auto and Forza and stuff. I think those are like the strong suits, you know, uh, giving you mm -hmm. a place to just uh, explore or move around freely instead of being walled in. It's really hard to make it fun, and it lo this looks fun. I also like the. It, it, it has almost like an Animal Crossing style interior designer uh, mode, which yeah. I always love playing with. I like making my spaces feel good. Yeah. Excellent. Is Flying Neko Delivery from Toronto-based Fractal Phase on your Steam wish list? Yes. I just added it now. Excellent. I could have added it in advance real quick, but <laughs> I wanted to make sure it's right on the right on the sound effect. Good, good. All right, next game today on Wishlist This is Astral Flux, developed by Hometown Hero, Cosmo Cat Games, just across the, the bridge from me in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Um, Cosmo Cat, of course, uh, makers of Toxicant, like this little first-person PlayStation 1 graphics, uh, Roguelite, which was pretty cool, came out a couple years ago. Um, but their latest project, uh, they're co-developing uh, with another studio that isn't Canadian, so I don't mention them. Uh, but... 
it's got a demo we checked out during the next fest and i'm pretty high on it it's coming out october 28th so next friday uh quote two would-be astronauts and scrappers fumble their way through space desperately searching for a way home in this upcoming action roguelike game from cosmo cat and studio vds all right well they got me to say it by putting it in the steam description but we got a beautiful pixel art, little action uh, roguelite 2D platformer. The demo is still up. Uh, oh, no, it's down. My page refreshed. Never <laughs> mind. You can, you can watch our uh, VOD of the Next Fest stream on our YouTube. Uh, I really like the demo. It, it's, it's The only feedback I had was I wish there was more feedback when I took damage there was a sound effect but I wanted some screen shake I wanted some some more because I kept like looking up and like oh five of my hearts are gone and I didn't notice um so that was my only real issue with the game and even then like just pay more attention I guess but the the pixel art is gorgeous and I love the demo what do you think of the steam page Victor I like it I like it this game mm. looks great um all of Cosmo Cat's games are really well like a really high polish I don't know it mm -hmm. just seems like the art and all the like the HUD and the players and everything has really consistent art style. And I would actually like to shout out one of his other games that I have mm. a lot of time played in, Ro Super Rocket Ride. It's underappreciated, okay. but I like it a lot. I have uh, almost five hours played in that game, and I think you can beat Ooh. it in like half that time. So, Oh, it's like I a Lunar really Lander good. game. Yeah. Oh, I remember this one. Oh, I love Lunar Lander games. Yeah, it's really good. Anyway. Excellent. Um, Astro Flux looks great too. I'll give it a try as soon as it's out. Excellent. So I can uh, I can presume it's on your Steam wish list. Yes. Excellent. In our last game today, I want a wish list is of course, Explory Story from Toronto-based Bluepin Studios. I always love asking the developer about their Steam page while they're here. So, uh, Victor, do you want to do the movie theater voice or, or should I? No, please. You have to do it. It's, <clears throat> it's part of the gig. Oh, I also noticed the the last time we wish list with this uh, was May 2021, and the Steam page said launching October 2021, 20, which was right. fun. Yes, I love that peak down memory I lane. I wonder what but, happened there. <laughs> quote. Alone or with a friend, run around the surface of many different stories. You can interact with the text, and the text can interact with you. There are boss battles, collectibles, a song, puzzles, and much more. Coming out early 2023 now. Uh, Victor, what happened there? Uh, you get a bunch of funding, you get well, a new team together. Actually, we don't... Okay, so here's the here's the thing. We don't actually hmm. need funding. We're, we all have day jobs and we're working on this on the side, right? So mm -hmm. um, what we decide... It's actually has nothing to do with our scope or anything like that. It's more about the philosophy for releasing. Originally, hmm. I set the date as close as I could, like um, kind of a thing where... We would release as soon as we're as soon as we have everything done, but actually we've kind of changed our mind about re when to release. We're actually going to release it when we know we we feel like there's not much left to do. Like kind of like uh, we just left like six seven more months for polishing, collecting feedback, and all that stuff instead of rushing mm. it out the door. Okay, I like that. I always think of a there's a quote in the Civ Four text tree. I think when you unlock. Mm. it might be the written word or maybe it's painting but uh leonard nimoy comes on and he's like uh a piece of art is complete not when there's nothing left to add but when there's nothing left to take away and i, I think about that is a lot of that last like one percent of the game that takes the most time you know just getting yeah. it that polished yeah yeah excellent 
uh, I always get the devs with this one. With we most recently got Symbiosis with their upcoming game Spectre. Uh, Victor is um, Explorer's Story on your wish list? Uh, it wasn't, and I'm not sure if I should add it. Here, let me tell why? you why. Real quick. <laughs> okay, hit me. Okay, because w- we look at in general uh, uh, one of the analytics that devs use to measure effectiveness of advertising and all kinds of other stuff is with the wishlist conversion. Uh, mm. And since I can't actually buy the game, it'll look mm-hmm. as if someone wishlisted it and then didn't buy it. So I'd be lowering my own conversion rate by wishlisting it. Mm. Okay. But it's not by much, obviously, since I'm just one person. Right. So, so what you're saying wishlist. is <laughs> we should also be buying all the games we wishlist in this segment to also help out the right, developers. Yeah, yeah. just wishlisting <laughs> it doesn't actually help that much if you don't buy it. The only uh, function a wishlist has is to get the game onto the new and upcoming section of Steam. Mm. But once it's released, if people aren't buying it, Steam won't show it to anybody. Hmm. That is good insight. And a good good lesson for those listening. I know you all were, of course, buying every game we told you to wishlist, so <laughs> uh, keep doing that. <laughs> uh, but, Victor, tell me, uh, how did you land on these sick gifts for the Steam page? I love the, like, text in the border, and then... You have to like uh, these are like PNGs, so they look rounded. I assume on the the corners, they look really nice. Yeah, yeah. Or no, PNGs. not PNGs, but like yeah, well, gift PNGs. It just looks gifts, delicious. Yeah. There's a PNG, and then there's a GIF inside of it, so it becomes the whole thing becomes a GIF. And um, you got yeah. some nice laurels over there. Ludum Dare forty eight first place Industry Choice Awards Game Slice twenty twenty finalist. Yep. We played it at Game Slice. That was you've come so much uh, further since that demo too. Yeah, well, it's been so cool to see the progress. Originally, we had this the game on like uh, you run around like a, on a paper book, and we tried to decorate mm-hmm. the paper book a little bit with like little art here and there. But we realized when we started like putting up all the screenshots and watching people play, it's like our whole game is just giant walls of text on paper. <laughs> so <laughs> we thought maybe we should kind of reinvent the visuals a little bit. So that's also part of why. The release is a little bit later. We kind of scrapped all of our art and redid it. Mm. I have a bunch more questions about Explorer's Story, but I'll uh, cut to maybe a trailer song or something for the game, and we'll come back with some questions. ask about the studio name i know yours is a a conglomerate of two different studios beforehand and you and someone else partnered up but i forget the two original names for blue pin studio it was pineapple wasn't it yeah so yeah we needed a name me and my friend Mm -hmm. who who made this this whole thing i guess uh and we just used our we just combined our usernames uh, basically his username was uh, blue pearl and mine was pineapple that's how we you know our gamer tags on xbox and League of, of Legends and whatever. Um, so, yeah, we just... Um, it was either, like, Pine Pearl or Blue Pin. So. <laughs> I like Blue Pin. I like <laughs> yeah. Blue Pin. 
and the logo of course the little thumb blue thumbtack just perfect for that yep. where did the inspiration for explorey story come from because the first thing that jumped to my mind was those geronimo stilton books with the pictures i keep saying that every time i see the game but that's just mm-hmm. how it makes me feel was, was there a particular inspiration for explorey stories concept well like our other games we start off as a game jam and then we choose mm. to expand it into a full game or not depending on how we feel about it and how other people feel about it um mm. so we were doing it for the ludum dare game jam and uh, it was just sort of arbitrary we thought we thought oh what if we could run on words what if you could jump on words we were thinking maybe it could be a 2d platformer mm. uh but then i thought well you can't really 2d platformers don't really let you travel in different directions you can basically go left or right and so like you wouldn't have a ton of freedom on what words you step on mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know we just out of necessity it uh, it became kind of like this top down uh, like don't starve-esque game with words on the ground because that's really the only way to to do the concept but yeah i don't know where the concept came from we're just kind of we're just brainstorming things and that's what happened so did it start with just the two of you from the beginning, or, or was the Montreal writer on board no, from no. the start? Yeah, no, it, it was, ju- it was um, we had a little, just a random group of people that I met, you know, through Discord and Twitch and stuff, um, mm-hmm. uh, to do the game jam, just for the game jam. I said, hey, you guys want to do the game jam? We originally had uh, two artists, two pixel artists, um, a guy to do music, and uh, and myself. And uh, after the after the result of the game jam, uh, we we had a good result. We got the first place prize in innovation, not first place overall, but first place in mm-hmm. innovation, because it's kind of a wacky concept. Mm-hmm. And we decided, well, uh, okay, well, let's try to make it into a full game. Um, two of the people uh, didn't want to commit to a full project, so that's where I started uh, looking for other people, and um, mm. I found this uh, this writer. Uh, from Montreal, and um, we have a sound guy, our sound lad from uh, Brazil <laughs> that I met in a different game jam. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Is Brazil in our time zone, or are you working in two time zones? Oh, my God. I, time <laughs> zone... Well, see, the thing is, I'm also working on another project, another game that we're launching <laughs> on Steam, and that one is a time zone disaster. We have one person oh, no. in Taipei, one person in oh, Berlin, no. and me in Toronto. Uh-oh. So it's literally six hours, six hours, and six hour gaps. You you cut the earth perfectly into thirds with yeah. your time zones. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. But no, oh, no, uh, yeah, we, we try to we try to figure out. One of the artists on Explorer Story lives in Australia, so hmm. um, that's a bit challenging time zone wise. But we we figured out a a time and, and date that works for everybody for our meetings. One thing I'm curious about with Explorer Story is so from uh, the sounds of it the idea for the mechanics came first the how do we like incorporate moving around words jumping on words that kind of thing uh and then i assume the story followed uh has there been an effort to like really try and make sure uh the gameplay and the story kind of mesh together because i know a lot of times a big critique of games well it feels like the story comes in after uh there's matthew Burns's famous uh, the writer will do something itchio game kind of critiquing that um but i've been noticing that's that's something indie devs are trying to focus on more and more has that been a, a decision at or uh, sorry a conversation at blue pin and like how do we how do we make the story and what the player is doing mush together as well as they can it's it's we probably have the I, I I don't know maybe maybe it's arrogant to say this but we have <laughs> some of the hardest challenges regarding story and gameplay 
because mm-hmm. we, you know, we can write a story and then I, I make the level for it and realize, well, there's a huge chunk here that has no words that I can use for anything. Like, what am I going to mm-hmm. do for the or and or whatever? Like, you know, <laughs> we need we need more words. And it's like, well, you can't just sprinkle random adjectives and nouns. Like if we have yellow, if we have apple, you know, that's no good. We could stretch mm-hmm. it and make like apples fall from the sky or whatever. But, you know, it, the idea is to make compelling gameplay. And that's been really hard. Um, I don't know to what degree we'll achieve uh, this kind of mesh between the story and the gameplay, but we're constantly revising the story to mm. um, use words in a way that lets us make good gameplay. Because uh, the fun in the gameplay comes first. If we have a nice mm. story, but you just run around and nothing happens, that's no good. Hmm. What would you say is the greatest hurdle uh, in Explorer Stories development you've you've encountered so far? Hmm. Well, aside from the hurdle, something unique to Explorer Story, because, you know, everyone has hurdles regarding, like, marketing and getting people to play the game and attention, all that stuff. Right. But something unique to Explorer Story is that it's not it doesn't really belong to a genre that exists, really. There's a few mm-hmm. games out there. Um, there's one called Letters. Uh, I think it's called Letters, A Written Adventure, and mm-hmm. Lost Words Between the pages or between the book something like that and um yeah so those two a lot of words for those titles about word games (laughs) yeah well that's the thing that you can't just name a game letters because no one's gonna be able to find it on google and stuff Uh, they Mm -hmm. they need like a tagline um so is that where wait so is that where explorey comes from as like a unique word for the title yeah yeah well yeah i didn't didn't want to just call it like exploring a story we we thought maybe we could do a little bit a cuter version Huh, I never even internalized that that wasn't a... Is that a real word? Or I just read it and I was like, I oh yeah, Explorer so. Story. That's <laughs> I don't awesome. think so. I'm just realizing that just now. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 challenge, the unique challenge we face here is that we don't have a lot of people to compare to and like uh, collaborate with and, and look at this, the stuff they did and try to improve on it or whatever. We're sort of on our own here. And it's... Mm. Um, there's some games that are kind of similar, like the ones I mentioned, or maybe Baba is You has some word play mechanics. Um, right. but yeah, it's, it's, there's not a ton of like genre norms or anything we, we can follow. It's sort of just like a freestyle thing. And I guess that's just like Kojima, you're inventing a new genre. <laughs> yeah, sort of. And I guess that's what it means. He did the strand genre and you did the explorey genre. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> I guess that's, that's why it's like an innovation category winner, but I don't think right. that's necessarily a good thing. Like that's sort of a blessing <laughs> and a curse because now, because you know, you kind of stand alone or at least more alone than most people. Uh, it, it's, it's easy to be an innovative, bad game maybe, or maybe yeah, not exactly. fun. Right. It's, so like we, we're trying something new, which everyone can acknowledge, mm-hmm. but is it going to be fun? That's, that's the million dollar question. Hmm. I like that. Uh, I, I always love asking, um, what's something you wish you knew about game development? Um, before you started Explorer Story that you know now? Well, this is actually kind of a new rele- um, revelation for me. I'm not sure if I should share this. Maybe it's a bad idea. But, <laughs> okay. but what I think new game devs should do, people who, hmm. especially people who can support themselves without making any money from games for a while, is to release hmm. everything for free. And if mm-hmm. I had this philosophy before we started Explorer Story, I would have pitched it that way to the team. But now that I promised them revenue and all that stuff, uh, I can't, you know, change mm-hmm. it now. But I would have just made it free. I think making a bunch of free games just to build up a community 
and get your name out there and get players is worth way more than, you know, the small amount of revenue that you will make. Like, for example, my first game made, I don't know, like 2000 bucks or something. I could have had 10 times more players if it was free. At least that's what I think. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. a bit of hindsight's twenty twenty, or what you would do in an alternate timeline thing. Yeah, yeah, I think um, since money isn't a concern, we really should have leaned into the free thing. Hmm, that's interesting. You never really hear developers say, "I wish I went back and didn't sell this." I, I like that though; it's, it's interesting yeah, perspective on because it ended up being pocket long term. Right? So like you're thinking chess while everyone else is thinking checkers. <laughs> well, if your goal is to become somebody one day. Um, mm. you'll get there a lot faster if you have more fans, right? Mm. And uh, if you remove the price barrier, that it should accelerate it. Yeah, Toby Fox started out with fan games and, and then did Undertale, so I guess, yeah, it's yeah. get the foot in the door and, and get associate or familiar with a, a certain artist or game designer you like, and then yeah. you're more willing to support them once they put a price tag on it. Yeah, yeah, eventually down the line you could start selling stuff or do like a freemium thing. Where you have a you know a free game with battle pass or whatever like the, all the triple A's are doing. <laughs> Ooh, we'll get to that when we talk about what we've been playing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but last question I got for you: Is there anything you wish people knew about game development? You feel like they don't? Hmm. Well, it depends who we're talking about, right? Um, I don't. Yeah, the don't average know. listener of of this podcast: seventy <laughs> percent game dev, thirty percent student trying to become a game dev. Uh, well. Actually, 20% of that is also just fans of Canadian games. Well, what should they know about game development they might not? Well, I think I'm only qualified to give people who are who haven't made a game yet advice. Because the AAA mm. people, I don't know much about their world. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but the people who haven't made a game yet and are looking forward to making a game and publishing a game, they have to really consider that you won't make a lot of money. Like, mm -hmm. some people do, but... Most people don't. For example, mm -hmm. the the median um, revenue for a Steam game is somewhere around four thousand dollars lifetime, right? Mm -hmm. So half of the games will make less than four grand. And um, this is why I brought up the free to play thing earlier. You know, would you rather have ten times as many players and make no money, or make like two thousand bucks? And mm -hmm. I think people should really think about that before they default into this kind of position where, well, I may, I'm making a product, so I have to sell it. Well, you don't have to, mm -hmm. I think. So contemplate it. an ongoing kickstarter for from vancouver based oh no i messed up the name already uh saulo camarati this is their second kickstarter project uh their first one was successfully funded chroma squad which i think did quite well 
this next game is called <laughs> Mahu Senshi Cosplay Club. It's got 17 days left in the campaign, already at 18,000 Canadian dollars as of October 17th. Uh, so, and again, 99% of Kickstarters hit all their funding on the last day. So this is a pretty good start uh, from my limited time covering Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, but the project is, quote, Embark on a journey becoming an amazing magical girl cosplayer. Each costume you create gives you different abilities to overcome quests and contests. Don't let this journey fool you. This is not just role-playing. Your costumes give you powers in the real world, and the world's fate will be in your hands. It's a very wow. goofy, very fun premise <laughs> for a, a 3D turn-based action game. Um, and a beautiful Kickstarter page. If you thought the uh gifts on, on steam pages looks good it adds a lot to this this kickstarter page all these lovely yeah. cutout gifts what do you think victor have you seen the budget breakdown near the near the middle of the page it's a donut i have a pie wait, chart I they made donuts. an actual donut oh it is marketing <laughs> kickstarter bite and taxes merch production team bite rate yeah team get that bite <laughs> yeah oh man yeah that's awesome yeah it's cool I like it. This this page looks really well put together. Tons of art. My God, this must have taken a long time. There's so much like bespoke art and little panels and banners and stuff. A lot of effort here. So there is still time uh, to get... Oh, hold on. I think the early bird... No, the early bird's done. But at the $5 tier, you get your name into credit uh, and a key of their previous game, Chroma Squad. But at $30 tier, you get a digital copy of this one and all the previous roles. So $30 to get the game. $5 to throw your money in and get their old game, see if you like it, and then maybe get this one when it comes out. Good luck to them. Project will be funded all or nothing by Thursday, November 3rd. All right. Victor, what have you been playing lately? Anything fun? Anything you want to talk about? Any compelling mechanics you've decided to add to your designer toolbox? Well, just real quick, I want to mention about that other game. <laughs> Oh, okay. The one we Sorry. just talked yeah, about, the I, Kickstarter. I moved on way too fast. No, 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 no. <laughs> just real quick, cosplay club uh, game. In their five dollar mm. tier, they're giving you a key to a fifteen dollar game. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Huh? Okay, so okay. You should, uh, you know, probably back it for five dollars. You support them. <laughs> maybe, maybe skip a coffee and get this instead. You get, you can get a game. You get support. I mean, it's, I think it's a good deal. That is a hashtag life hack from uh, Victor on yeah. episode 221. <laughs> Save 10 bucks by backing this Kickstarter. And you, yeah, that's that's a really good uh, pitch for the $5. You can't team. afford they not should, to They should have put that in there. It's, you're losing money if you don't support it at yeah. the $5 tier. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, links in the, links in the show notes. Uh, again, back to those ramble of three questions I asked you about what you've been playing. What have I been playing? I have been playing a little bit of Overwatch 2 now that I can Same. play it. What do you think? Um, It's shockingly similar to Overwatch 1. I was mm, skeptical. One, Overwatch 1.2 memes? Yeah, I was, I was skeptical that I was thinking, well, they're probably not going to add that much. Um, but they added even less than I thought they would. For example, wow. where's the single player? The whole pitch of <laughs> Overwatch 2 was supposed to be some kind of single player action. But it's not here. Mm -hmm. It's gone. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of strange. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's, it's it's basically just Overwatch 1 with two new heroes. Uh, no, three new heroes. Sojourn, Junker Queen, and the one on the Battle Pass that I, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that I haven't played yet. Um, but yeah, there's the new push mode where the robot runs back and forth. 
the three new heroes and, and a yeah. couple new maps, but that just feels like an update to Overwatch 1, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this update has introduced so many bugs to the game I've never encountered before. <laughs> like, there's T-posing characters on the loading screens. Often I open my friends list and it's empty and I can't invite anyone. I have to restart the game. There's, of course, all the server issues at launch. Like, it feels like Overwatch 2 is just worse Overwatch in many ways. Yeah, it is kind um, of strange. But I've been playing it every night for the past week, so it's still fun, I guess. <laughs> and, and you know? An- another thing um, I noticed is I was trying to get my rank in competitive queue, and I had to play, like, mm-hmm. 15 games to get a rank because... It's so uh, weird. Like the loss doesn't count as a game played, so only the wins do, or 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 something like that. I don't know. It works. I had to look this up because I was also curious. So what they'll do is, uh, if you get s- seven wins or twenty losses, that'll change your rank. So once you hit seven wins, you'll go up a certain amount. Once you hit twenty losses, you'll go down a certain amount. So you could hypothetically be at twenty, or sorry, at what's nineteen plus six. <laughs> Yeah, 25 games played, and then your next game, uh, if it's six lot wins, 19 losses, and then your next game will determine if you go up or down, whether you win or lose but it. But so if you, could, you go up, does it reset your loss count, or are you still... S- yes, yeah, everything resets, so then oh. it'll be your next, yeah, seven wins or 20 losses. Weird. So you could play up to 25 games without changing rank, hypothetically. Um, so does I've that mean it's really hard like, to go down, then? Because you have to lose 20 times to go down. It's true. Yeah, I guess that that is a, a good point. I've for personally, I've uh, hit seven wins uh, three times so far, maybe in like thirty games. So I'm I'm hitting about every ten my level changes. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's different hmm. for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I, I figure most people are being balanced in the matchmaking to have a fifty percent win rate, give or take, right? If the match is fair, so that means basically everyone would just be moving up indefinitely in the ranks maybe that's i don't know i was getting spanked hmm. in bronze too so maybe i'm gonna start stop uh moving up in the, the ranks but so far so good I, yeah eventually i will just hit a plateau with every game but hmm. until then yeah it's still fun <laughs> yeah. um any, anything else you've been playing um kind of a weird one that i don't know if mm. a lot of people play um gwent the standalone oh, wow. card game on Deep pc full. <laughs> wow not even is it mobile. still alive like it's yeah it hasn't been shut down like a bunch yeah, of those no. card games uh, and as far as i can tell there's about thirty thousand players because i'm about thirty thousand down on the le- uh, leaderboards <laughs> there's at least thirty thousand other players yeah yeah i mean yeah i, I like it you know i i beat huh, witcher 3 march 2017 yeah i i needed wow. more uh, witcher content so i've been playing witcher 1 and whenever i'm tired of that i i play the standalone game the was Gwent in Witcher 1? No. No. There was okay. a dice was that game a Witcher in, 3 in thing? Witcher 1. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, just Witcher 3, I think. So you're liking Gwent then enough to, to keep yeah. playing it? Yeah, um, I've played Hearthstone, I've played sessions. Magic, I've played Yu-Gi-Oh! And um, mm. I don't know, I seem to the like Trinity. Gwent more than the other ones, somehow. Huh. I don't know. Uh, Gwent, better than Magic, uh, from Blue Pen oh, Studio Jesus. on Twitter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> I like it more than ma- uh, magic. I mean, I like it more than magic, but but <laughs> not please. better than yeah. We're not doing any uh, what do you Spare call me. definitives? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh? That's awesome. I haven't. I've. You might be the first person I met who's played like standalone Gwent, not just mm-hmm. in Witcher Three. Which I is actually, cool. even, I think it's even it's better than the 
Witcher 3 Gwent. I really like Witcher 3 Gwent, so I, that's why I decided to try this. And it's mm-hmm. uh, more fun. It has way more stuff, way more cards, way more mechanics than the in-game one. Huh. Uh, ported to Android in 2020 and then iOS in 2021. Or uh, Mac OS, sorry. Yeah. So it was still platform. getting support up to last year. Excellent. Yeah. Man, I just like, that's the new standard for me. Like, it's when a game isn't cross-platform, I'm like, oh, man, guys, it's yeah. 2022. You're like, come on. Yeah, it's kind of they, surreal uh, to, like, launch a game on my PC, and then I, as soon as I head out the door, I launch it on my my phone, and it's the exact same profile, exact same cards and everything. It's kind of strange, almost, that it's, it's, it's so... It's, the future's not all <laughs> awful, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I've been playing two Game Pass games along with Overwatch uh, this past week. Have you seen Scorn, that H.G. Geiger-inspired yep. first person? Yep, that yep. one that everyone's been talking about. I feel really stupid because I keep getting lost. Uh, the hallways... Okay, I'm, I tried to describe this feeling, and it, it might sound dumb, but, like, the hallways are always curving either to the right or left, like, at, like, maybe a 30 to 40 degree, so you're always just kind of turning, and when you're playing with a controller and playing on my Series X, you're just always sort of pushing forward into the left, and it, it's a weird feeling, but, like, hmm. these hallways go on, like, too long to the point where, like, I'm getting uncomfortable with how long I've been doing this motion <laughs> that I'm not used to with my hands, and I, I hope that's on purpose, because it, it's it, it's really spooky, especially with all the, like, flesh tube walls walls and echoing guttural sounds from various things I haven't encountered yet. So I'm only an hour in, but I'm digging. And it first thing on the store page, atmospheric horror game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mission accomplished, guys, uh, is all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, it looks spooky. I don't know. I don't usually play spooky games, so I probably won't be playing it, but it looks good. <laughs> it, it, it's pretty good so far. It has a lot of um, body stuff that I had to sort of like look through my fingers at because I'm squeamish, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so full warning on that. And they say very early on, like, yeah, this game's, this game's kind of gross. You're going to see some stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, another game I've been playing on Game Pass that I'm actually super stoked about uh, was Loot River, uh, mm-hmm. which came out, I think, this year, potentially last year. Um, I want to... Oh, Is that wanna, the one with all the sliding uh, platforms, like interlocking uh, little platforms you stand yeah, on? So, so here's how it feels to me. Do you remember that analog uh, game Traffic Rush where you have the cards and then you lay out the different colored plastic cars on like Traffic that grid? Rush. Let me look at this. I don't and, recall. Oh, wait. Do I have the name right? Traffic Rush. Board game. Uh, what was it called? No, it was called Rush. Rush Hour, maybe? Yeah, Rush, Rush Hour. Hour. Oh, Rush I Hour. do recall this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this like game, Loot River is kind of like real time rush hour mm-hmm. so you're it's top down uh it's a it's a rogue light so some stuff carries over and it's it's a souls like hardcore like there's there's different weapons with poise you lose everything you pick up on a run uh in between the sort of procedurally generated roguelite areas is like the sanctuary from demon souls or bloodborne uh you, you spend your uh, uh, on each run you spend the the level up stuff you pick up on your dexterity strength uh, all the other Dark Souls stats um, and I never really connect with Dark Souls games uh, Bloodborne's the furthest I got in it but it really works for some reason in Loot River for me in a way it hasn't in the the FromSoft games which is weird mm-hmm. to say 
but I'm really liking the souls like part of loot river. And, and I'm just a big fan of like Tetris and like moving mm-hmm. pieces in a, a, in a space like that. The, the thing that I wasn't expecting to do a lot from the trailer of this game, it doesn't showcase this mechanic that well is a lot of times because you, when you're standing on one of the like pieces in the world, you can move that piece with the right stick while moving your character with the left stick. But what I'll do is I'll like sort of move past a platform with enemies on it and like get one of them to step on my platform and then move away and just pick off that enemy. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're kind of strategizing like, where you are, but also where enemies are going to step as you get close to them. And you're trying to like separate them, pick them off. And it's, it was a really cool feeling. I haven't really encountered in a game like this. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Loot River? Well, it looks really good. First of all, the pixel art looks mm. amazing. And I have seen gameplay of it, like all the platforms sliding around and they, they seem like really satisfying because they kind of click into place, uh, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, it's snappy. You're right. Yeah. yeah. It does feel good. Yeah. It, it looks good. It plays good. It, it does seem a little bit like, um, maybe the labyrinths are a bit too intense because from what I've seen, it gets pretty complicated, like how to arrange the the platforms properly. But I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the game looks really good. Kind of reminds me of Hades. Yeah. Did you enjoy Hades? I did. I did enjoy. Actually, just Hades is the first roguelite I ever beat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, maybe this is the a logical next step in in my my roguelite uh, playing life. But. Yeah. It, it does also have that, like, move into an area, clear out all the enemies, pick up all the stuff, um, check where I want to go next. And and the level is a bit uh, meandering. Like, I've definitely opened the map, and I'm like, I have no idea how to get out of here or what, <laughs> where I've been. Like, the map isn't detailed enough to, like, really give me waymark or waypoints that I can remember. It, it's just sort of gray background with outlines of rooms and pieces you can move. Um, but... I've only seen two of the areas in the game so far. I don't know how many there are, but I'm I'm very, very into it. And you'll get into a lot of situations where you just have to do like a traffic rush style puzzle where you're like, okay, I have to stand on this piece, move these pieces around. Yeah. Uh, and now I can move this piece out before. And, and it's, it's, it's good. I'm very much enjoying it. I really published by super hot. <laughs> right. Yeah. A really interesting thing on their steam page is that they have a hmm. gif of, um, what someone might describe as someone abusing the game mechanics uh, by sliding, oh, that charging up, yeah, <laughs> sliding, and then using your thing and then sliding away to be safe. Um, but obviously, huh. it's not abusing it because the game, the devs obviously intended it. And a lot of people overlook stuff like that because, you know, the inclination as a developer would be to prevent abuses like that, right? Or like mm. the thing you described where you kind of... Uh, where you kind of pick one guy up and and then make sure his friends can't follow him. That seems like mm-hmm. something you wouldn't that you wouldn't want to happen, but it's actually the fun. So it's good that they found I, something fun and kept it in or or made it happen. I, I did do that gif like immediately. Like mm-hmm. I would charge my heavy attack, move my pe- move my piece in, hit it, and then back up. Yeah. So it is funny that's on the Steam page because I did do that r- immediately. Yeah, yeah. And the other gif above it also shows like a different uh, uh, something else that they were kind of like. Uh, like a gimmicky little ah the spear yeah the spear has a huge like you you can just move in and get a bunch of people and then back out yeah 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 so it's it's cool that um they actually want you to be moving the platform while also doing stuff instead of like alternating between moving the platform and fighting they want you to use them together Mm. which is really cool and I was able to intuit pretty quickly, like both those systems, and it felt really seamless to be doing both at the same time. I will say, maybe yeah. that's just I play a lot of Tetris and stuff, but it's it, yeah, I it jived for me really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have I would have expected the you know 
you know, if I was making the game, I probably would have been like, well, okay, well, we can't let we can't let the monsters go onto this platform until it's done moving, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you'll never have this chance where the enemies like we'll lock the platform if there's an enemy and a player on it, so you can't move it anymore, right? So it's like time to fight kind of thing, but mm-hmm. that's anti fun, I guess, right? And so and that must have been a playtesting nightmare because I assume there's a lot of weird hitbox stuff as you're moving those platforms and people are stepping on and off. Yeah, it. yeah, they got to make sure the things don't end up in between colliders or you know somewhere else. I haven't had any bugs yet either, so I'm impressed. Yeah, very impressive, I think. They're not afraid Shout of it to Loot River. making it look weird as long as it's fun. Yes, yeah. Not a Canadian studio, but that's okay. I still mention the game because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. On Game Pass? Yeah. All right, that's it for episode 221. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Victor, for coming on. We will, of course, put the link to the Explorer Story and the studio in the show notes, but is there anything else you would like to plug at the end of this episode? Uh, no, nothing else. Just Explorer Story. And, uh, well, we have other games. Uh, we have a game that's out. We have a game. We have a different game that's coming out as well. So if you're interested in all of our games or any of our games check out our steam or website or discord or twitter or twitch or youtube or something else excellent get at blue pin studios yeah um yeah and if you want to help us keep doing this patreon.com slash canadian game devs two daily access to the pod discord perks discounts for canadian gaming events like eglx and the five dollar tier or higher we would like to personally thank you at the end of every episode Thank you so much to our patrons, Aaron McLeod, David Nagy, Dugsy, Eleanor, Elizabeth Avery, Jean Leggett, Kai Hutchins, Meow the Leon, Nicholas Azorko, and everyone else who supports us over on patreon.com slash Canadian Game Devs. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Follow us at Canadian Game Devs. Until next week, goodbye. say goodbye oh uh see you later everybody thank you for listening